The other day, I caught up with my grandma over Zoom. How are you? I'm alive. I'm kicking. And, uh, <laughs> At a safe distance, all COVID restrictions considered, her safe in her home in the north and me in the south. So tell me about your life. I'll tell you about mine. It had been a few weeks since we'd last caught up. We discussed the Olympics first. What have you been up to? Have you been watching the Olympics? Oh, all the time. They were swimming all the time. I love it. Underway in the 100 backstroke for women. The underwater work now. And she's going to come up first. Yes, she will. Kaylee McEwen first. Emily Seymour didn't get the best of stuff. And like always, we ended up discussing our mutual love of radio. That radio work you do, maybe you inherited the feel for it. Yeah, I think it's crazy that you used to present... My grandma Sheila used to host radio shows in Cape Town, South Africa. It was the best thing I ever discovered and found that I could do. Her shows were all classical. And it was super going, having a couple of hours every morning, say three mornings a week, to go to the radio station and be the broadcaster. From uh, 9 o'clock till 12, I had three hours where I could present programs that I had chosen. And I would be putting the CDs on and connecting them to the radio. It's safe to say my grandma was kind of a big deal in Cape Town's music scene. Conductors and musicians would fly in from all over the world, and she was tasked with showing them around introduce people and play CDs and talk to everyone and loved it. (laughs) I thought about the hustle and bustle of my grandma's life back then of live broadcasts, rehearsals, and fancy dinners with conductors. And what a contrast it must be to her quiet existence now. Life has changed here now. When I look back on what I've done, I think I've been very lucky to have the privileges and the ability to take advantage of them. When my grandma reached her early 80s, my uncle Dale, who lives with her, started noticing behaviour that was out of character. And I just remember one day, and I think it might even have been as many as three years ago, I suddenly said to Mayon and Robin, do you notice any change in her behaviour? And I think they had, yeah. So that's when we, I think that's when we agreed that we needed to do something about it. My uncle spoke to my dad and my other uncle in South Africa. They all agreed Sheila may have dementia. Just, you know, thinking about it at the time, you suddenly, you, then you start thinking back and you think, oh, well, oh, yeah, yeah, she didn't do this or didn't remember this. And you suddenly start thinking about situations that, uh, that occurred in the past and it suddenly starts adding up. The memory loss was the most notable. The repetitive nature of things, you know, like asking questions. She's, she's good at asking questions, but when she can't remember the answer and she asks many times and that would increase over time, then that, that's, that's the main difference in behaviour. My dad took Sheila to a GP, then specialist, 
who made the formal diagnosis after some questionnaires. Dale started to notice more and more symptoms. Someone who she knows quite well and visited her. She hadn't seen her for probably a year and she didn't know who she was. And that was quite a shock. <laughs> yeah. Once she's been reminded of everything, then, you know, like it'll probably take five or 10 minutes and then she'll kind of be back into, uh, you know, I guess uh, normal conversation with that person. Or when I say normal, still with the issue of dementia hanging over it. But for the majority of the time, Sheila was unaware of her condition. These sort of conversations ebb and flow. So um, I'd say sometimes she will acknowledge that there is an issue, but most of the time she won't. And that's because it's dementia is this sort of weird thing where the subject of what you're investigating is your own mind. Dementia is a confronting disease with many barriers to early diagnosis and lengthy diagnostic processes. Researchers are developing new technologies in the hopes of easing that process. You're listening to Think Digital Futures. I'm Julia Karkatzel. Dementia is a collection of symptoms caused by disorders affecting the brain. It affects thinking, behaviour and ability to perform everyday tasks. About 470,000 Australians live with dementia. That number is expected to increase to almost 600,000 by 2028. Sheila was lucky enough to get help pretty soon after developing symptoms. But others aren't so fortunate, going for months, even years, without a diagnosis. Uh, our diagnosis of uh, progressive dementia provides an opportunity for better intervention and management. And uh, most importantly, it enables patients to be more involved in planning for their own future care needs. Fernanda Oliveira is a PhD student at UTS. I am an engineer and a researcher. I am in the last year of my PhD at UTS. She says there are many barriers to diagnosis, including the belief memory problems are a normal part of ageing. And once the process begins, diagnosis can be a difficult, lengthy and intensive journey. Fernanda is developing a new technology to make that process less stressful. The inspiration of the game, it was uh, in a cognitive episode that my father had uh, when he was in hospital. Uh, so I started researching about dementia, delirium. This was when I realized the importance of uh, understanding and detect, uh, detecting cognitive decline early. Uh, and my research is about games for the cognitive assessment of older adults. Diagnosis of dementia usually includes a combination of medical tests like brain scans and psychological tests like questionnaires assessing memory. But Fernanda's game, Cogwell Travel, is not your traditional pen and paper screening test. Uh, so Cogwell Travel is a game-based uh, cognitive screening test. The story of the game is uh, a travel around the world. So the player uh, is going uh, with the main character. 
each country that they go, uh, they will face a different challenge and that they will need the cognitive abilities to solve uh, the problem that they will encounter in each country. All game mechanics are based on neuropsychological research. It is memory, attention, perceptual motor, uh, executive function and social cognition. So the challenges require the cognitive domains to solve problems and provide a measure of how well the player performed in solving that problem. And the memory of the player's test uh, when uh, they are required to remember and repeat the order of the metro stations they will visit during the day. And the player is also required to form words with given letters uh, to try to open a padlock. Uh, this is to measure expressive language abilities. Fernanda had some help from Valerie Gay, an associate professor in mobile technologies, digital health and social innovation at UTS, and Jamie Garcia. I'm a lecturer, a senior lecturer at the School of Computer Science at UTS. I'm also a co-director for uh, the UTS uh, Game Studio. So I guess my expertise is on what processes and methodologies can be used to make a game that is appealing to the audience, but also uh, ticks all the boxes from the medical perspective. Cogwell Travel collects data that will inform clinicians in their diagnosis of potential dementia patients. So we collect a lot of data from the game. So when people play our games, we also need to make sure that they're doing fantastically with the health outcomes and that we can actually measure that in an effective manner. You may be wondering, why a game? Jamie says, because it's fun. I think it's the power in games. Games are fun and they have this ability to engage with people. So when you play a game, it's the kind of thing that you just feel passionate about and, keep con and continue to do till you are exhausted. <laughs> Receiving a diagnosis of dementia can be confronting and even frightening for many. So Jamie says the ability to have fun may ease that process. Uh, so for example, I actually, I see my dad, uh, he's a bit scared of going to the GP to get anything diagnosed. Uh, so I can imagine him, I, I see him playing games all the time. So I can sort of see the potential of using his gameplay time to try to get clinical and meaningful data and diagnose him. Um, so I think that's where games sort of fill the gap. Fernanda says she hopes technology will continue to improve the lives of dementia patients. The call for innovative technologies for dementia is broader than uh, only diagnosis. While this game can help uh, health professionals to identify people at risk of developing dementia, other technologies such as artificial intelligence, sensors, robots, uh, can be used also in prevention, risk reduction, treatment, care, and support relating to dementia. Um, overall, the successful implementation of these techn technological innovations are important to facilitate uh, and support the daily lives of people with dementia and their carers. My grandma is lucky enough to have family to take care of her, in the comfort of her own home. But one day, she will require 24-7 care. 
to me, uh, definitely the alarm bells will start ringing when, as I say, she goes for a walk twice a day, when one day she goes for a walk and can't find a way home. And, and I suppose it's because dementia starts off as short-term memory loss and then over time progresses into longer-term memory loss. And, you know, she's been in this area for so long, like living here over, over 20 years, that, you know, the neighbourhood is still in her long-term memory. <laughs> So when it deteriorates to the point where that is impacted, um, then, you know, then that's definitely a significant stage. My uncle Dale says he's grateful to be able to enjoy Sheila's company in the meantime. You know, some people can deteriorate in three months and some can take 10 plus years. Um, So it has been quite slow. If you asked me a year ago, I was already planning on her you know, probably being at the stage where it would be unmanageable for me. And here we are a year later and it's still manageable, although not easy. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julia Karkatzel. Thanks for your company. <laughs>